are the people. Sometimes they are up front. Sometimes they're in the background to make sure that the service for our Lord runs well. If you have a cell phone, please make sure they are turned off or on silent mode. Christmas is over, right? But don't worry, there's another one coming, Lord willing. But now New Year's is here, and we go back to the book of James. Everybody said yes. <laughs> Turn to James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. I know we're uh, skipping some verses there, but for the sake of the New Year's, I think this is fitting for us to tackle. James chapter 4, verse 13. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we, will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for everything that you've given to us this year. We ask now, Lord God, that you guide us in this blessing that we are able to hear your message once again. We ask for your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to teach us, to open our hearts, clear our minds, Father God, penetrate our souls, Lord God, for the message that you have for us. Remove our pride. Give us humility, Lord God, to accept Whatever it is that you want us to receive, guide me, Father God, as you guide the listeners. Forgive me, Lord God, for my sins are many. Bless my preparations, Lord God, and be with us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Have you, if you're like me, you hate to see the message on your phone, update needed, right? Update needed, it's like... It's critical, it's crucial, you must do it, but my goodness, it seems like they, they do it every two weeks. And there's an option there, right, if you are to install it now or later. But if you don't install the update, certain apps on your phone will not work properly. You cannot use it, certain apps you cannot download. So it kind of forces you to do the update. You agree? The young people are saying yes. The older people are like, there's an update? What's that update? What is, what is he talking about? We are in our New Year mini-series in the Book of James series, which is the Radical Change. We've discussed multiple Sundays already on what the Book of James uh, teaches us. And it's mainly telling us that Real change comes from the inside out. That if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you cannot stay the same. The song, they sang it earlier, it says, come as you are, right? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus says, come as you are. As dirty as you are, as filthy as you are, as sinful as you are, you are to come to me, that's what Christ says. But as you have become a part of his family, there is change. That's the whole thesis of the book of James. Real change comes from the inside out. Now, the new year, right? The new year, I know some of you, most of you, maybe all of you are more excited about the party later. And you can't wait for me to get done with this. But the new year brings out planning for us, right? There is this popular New Year's resolution that we all do. Do you agree? And you know, I, I think I, I always watch my 
my Christmas message and my New Year's message of the year past. And I, I, to my surprise, I actually tackled James, this same scripture for the beginning of this year. But there is a change in the New Year's resolution. This is from Statista.com. America's top New Year's resolution for 2024. Number one in the list, to save more money, 59%. Save more money. Maybe if you vote properly, you can. To exercise more, 50%. To exercise more, 50%. That means you have to move, right? To eat healthier, my gosh, 47%. To spend more time with family and friends, 40%. To lose weight, 35%. To reduce spendings on living expenses, I think that's to save money, right? 26%. Maybe they're saying to not spend money on Starbucks or Boba. To spend less time on social media, 19%. Not all the young people agreed to it. It's TikTok and the new thing all, all the time. And then to reduce stress on the job, 19%. There were 417 U.S. correspondents from 18 to 64 years old. This was taken in October 19 to the 29th. Is that, do you, Paul, do you have something in that list that you're making a decision for this new year? Or how about, did you review your New Year's resolution of 2023 and did you achieve some of them, or all of them. New year, new life, new chapter, new town, new relationship, new job. There's always that question, like, maybe I can do better. Right? It presents that, that option, that thinking. But a question should be asked. What are the things you need to stop doing and start Doing. Planning is key, and execution of the plan is and must be part of the plan itself. Planning is supported and encouraged in the Bible. Luke 14:28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? We read James earlier, and it sounded like he didn't like planning, but it, he does. He's okay with planning because the Lord, through the Word, has shown us that planning is what a prudent and responsible person must do. But planning our lives without God is what James is saying. Planning our lives without God in mind is what is wrong. The Apostle James in, in chapter 4 warns us believers that if, if, if and when we leave God out of our lives, if you can all please, I hope you're paying attention. If, if you have a cell phone right now, you're looking in the scores of whatever, this is the only time that you have, a, just think about this, this is the last Sunday of the year, okay? If, if you can give your full attention to it. We have to ask ourselves, there are consequences if we leave God out of our lives. Even in planning. Even in planning. So, the question for a person, the better question that we should be asking is, what does God want me to do with my life? And then you ask, what is His will for me? The answer to that question should line up for the person in asking from this verse. It should line up. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It is presumptuous and arrogant to think that we are even going to be here tomorrow. Do you agree? Don't get me wrong. I want all of us to be here tomorrow. But it's quite presumptuous and arrogant to think 
that because you're healthy and you're young, you're going to for sure wake up tomorrow? Because you've got your retirement plan lined up and everything, all the money and checks and balances are ready, you think you're going to be here tomorrow? It says here, it's like a mist that vanishes. You know, when I was in, in Baguio, in Baguio in the Philippines, it's, it gets really cold. And in the morning, other than the fog coming down, or still down around 6, and then it vanishes at 7, if you're really cold, right, when you breathe out, there's that smoke, like the bunch of particles that come out, right? Looks like a cigarette smoke, <laughs> but it's not. It's, it's that, that mist, and then it just goes away so fast. You can't even try to catch it, right? Oh, let me save that for later. That's our life. That's what James reminds us. Our life is a mist. And if we're planning our lives without God in mind, we are sinning. Making plans without seeking God first and what His will is for us is sinning. And sin has consequences. Planning without asking or seeking God's will first leaves us unprepared, is the first point. It leaves us unprepared. And that's in Luke 12, 15 to 20. Then Jesus said to them, Be careful and guard against all kinds of greed. People do not get life from the many things they own. Then Jesus used this story. There was a rich man who had some land. His land grew a very good crop of food. He thought to himself, what will I do? I have no place to keep all my crops. Then he said, uh, then he said, I know what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger barns. I will put, put all my wheat and good things together in my new barns. Then I can say to myself, I have many good things stored. I have saved enough money for years. Rest, eat, drink, and enjoy life. But God said to that man, foolish man, tonight you will die. What about the things you prepared for yourself? Who will get those things now? Planning without God being in the center of it leaves us unprepared for the unexpected. There is nothing wrong in planning in and of itself. Nothing. The problem here is that what is not mentioned in chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. You notice, you notice any mention of God at all there? Any thought of the Lord whatsoever in all of the planning, in all of their scheduling? We will go to such such and such city. We will make money and all that stuff. None. James tells us in verse 14 that that's foolishness. You see, the truth of this, none of us knows what the future really holds. Do we agree? That's why it's foolish to make our plans and schedules without God at the center. At the center. Life is simply too short to do that. As a believer, I'm not supposed to forget that Jesus Christ must be the center of everything that I do and in everything that I'm responsible of. Then to make sure that I do all of that in such a way that my family, myself, and everything that I'm involved in really gives honor to the Lord. It is the new year. It is good to make plans, but you have to make God, you have to put God in the center of it. You have to be, you have to be thinking, if I do this, what will God think? Or what does God think about this plan? Now, maybe, maybe the issue, as you come into the new year, maybe you need to really ask yourself, if you are a Christian, maybe you have to ask yourself, did you just accept Jesus as your Savior and not your Lord? The entire thesis of the book of James is that if you belong to Christ, every aspect of your being must be changed. Lordship of Jesus in our lives or sanctification process is what we do after our justification. After we have been saved by our Savior, we, that's the salvation part. 
But it doesn't stop there. If you are given the privilege to live after receiving Jesus, Jesus must be your Lord. In our lives, in our lives must reflect that. The truth is that we all live one event away from eternity. Do you agree to that? We are all one event away from eternity. We can all die later, or some of us. Oh my gosh, Joe, I brought a guest. What are you talking about dying? It's the new year. It should be fun. Give us some positive vibes. Uh, you know, if you hear the message, it will actually line you up properly for the new year. We are all one event away from eternity. It can, there could be a hurricane. Not here, but somewhere else. If you visited there, there could be an earthquake, an automobile accident, a sickness, a disease, or war. How about the Malaysian um, Airlines Flight 117? John, John, can you bring me to that slide, please? Right there, right there. You remember this one? In July 14, all 298 people on board, most of whom were citizens of the Netherlands, died in the crash. A Dutch inquiry determined that the aircraft was shot down by a Russian-made surface-to-air missile. For Malaysia Airlines, it was the second disaster of 2014 following the disappearance of Flight 370 on March 8, 2014. What's the point? Don't fly Malaysian. No, I'm just... I mean, imagine. You really think for even one minute that all those people in those flights had any thought that that will be the last moment in this life for them. Because they were thinking on what they were going to do on their vacation. They were thinking about their itinerary. Where are we going to eat? How's our hotel? I hope everything will be fun. And then, kaboom. The one flight got disappeared. The other one got blown up. How about, you're thinking, you're thinking there, you know, the, the young people are thinking like, ah, this message really, the, the dying part's really for the older people. You know, and then the older people are probably thinking, because, you know, our church is made up of different age brackets, which is beautiful, right? But you have to understand, the young people must understand that there's a life expectancy for you too. Now, what is the life expectancy of a male and female? Up to now, it still shows that female live longer than males. It's 73 years for the male, and then 79 for the females. Praise God. That's good. I like that. You know, it, it, tell, it reminds me of this, this uh, older lady. She's around her 60s, you know. She was just minding her own business. And all of a sudden, she had a heart attack. She had a heart attack. And then she meets Peter at the gate. This is a true story, okay? So he, she meets Peter at the gate. And then she goes... Peter, why am I here? And Peter goes, hold on, let me see the book. Let me see the schedule. Wow, wait, you're supposed to live 40 more years. You know what? This is a mistake. I'll, I'll bring you back. Goes back. She gets revived, restored. And then she decided, you know what? My goodness, I almost died there. I'm going to make the most out of my life right now. So what is a woman to do? She gets a liposuction you know, facelift, dyed her hair, the whole total makeover. Very beautiful lady comes out after her last surgery, steps out of the clinic, gets run over, and dies. And then she meets Peter again. She was now livid. Peter, I thought I had 40 more years to go. And then Peter looks at her like, who are you? good plastic surgery happened there. Life can just come and go. So the Proverbs reminds us, never brag about what you will do in the future. 
you have no idea what tomorrow will bring. You understand this? Young people, I know you think you're young and strong and you just have no gray at all. And you're thinking like, ah, this old man is just sad and he's bitter. He's just making my life gloomier than it should be. No, no, no. I thought I was going to be forever young as you. But no, life becomes and it happens fast. Unfortunate things happen. Even if you have the best plan in mind, even if you have the most noble thing at heart, that I want to live forever so I can help my family in the Philippines, and then some, so I can help and do this and all that. But you know, you never know. Look at this. Planning is fine, right? But there are consequences. That was the first consequence. If you don't put God in the center of your planning, you will be unprepared. And the second one is, the second consequence is overconfidence. Overconfidence. He says, and as it is, as you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. That word boasting is not really complicated. It's not a really complicated word. We all understand it, right? We do it. This is your doing. This is what you're doing when you're planning and structuring your life and structuring your life without having God in the center. Having God in the center. Some people will think, I don't need God. The overconfident guy or girl will say, I have, I have a very unique set of skills and gifts, you know? And I put together, well, I put together everything that I have. Not everybody knows what I know. Not everybody know, do, can do what I can do. You know, you'll hear people say all of that would a great sense of pride. They'll say, well, you know, I'm a self-made man or woman. I pulled myself out from the gutter. You know, as a Christian, I have to be honest with you. If you know the scriptures, that is about as disrespectful as you can possibly get. If you think you are in your life because of you and your talent and your ability. Remember in James chapter 1, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, don't be fooled about this. Everything good comes from, every perfect gift is from him. Paul tells us in Acts 17 to 28, it is through him that we are able to live, to do what we do, and to be who we are. It is through God, amen? Have you been taking advantage of the life that, has, that God has given you? Or have you forgotten that everything that you have was actually from Him? Now that you're just using all the blessings that God has given you for your own benefit, for your own selfish gain, for your own selfish pleasures. Most of you are, are, are nurses here. Man, you got some great minds. You have... You have Great patience and study, right? Some people are our business people where you have great success in all your planning. Some are, are still planning their way, you know, in college, in school. There, there's so many things, and you're getting great, good grades, and your career is just flourishing. But don't be fooled. Everything that you are experiencing is from God, it is His mercy. That he allows all these things to be in your life. Therefore, knowing that everything is from God and that we are to place him in the center of our lives, not just because it's the new year, right? It's always fitting. I need to do planning. No, your whole life, you, when you plan and you make your schedule, there is a need for you to realize that when you're doing something, when you're about to do something, or when you're even planning something, God must be in the center of it. Remember Paul when he said, not I, but Christ in me. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I don't know. I, I don't know if you're even considering that, if you even considered putting God in the center of your planning. As the new year comes, in, 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 it, it's coming so fast. You have to realize that there are consequences when you don't do that. Now, here's the third thing. Third thing. James writes the third consequence of, of sort of leaving God out of our planning in verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now, if you're sinning, what are you, what's going to happen to you? The third consequence is you're going to miss God's plan for you. You're going to miss God's plan for you. Missing God, not putting Him in the center, we will miss the plan that He has for us. He says that whatever, if we do the right thing for Him, if we obey Him, He will bless us. If we sin against Him, there's a curse behind it. And then do you remember, I mentioned it, but here, here's a technical word for it. The sin of omission. What is the sin of omission? To omit something is to not do it, to remove it, to leave it out is an issue. And I want to be really clear here about this. And it's an issue between God, clearly, because God clearly has something for you to do. God has something for everyone, every Christian. There is a plan for you. And you very well know what it is because God tells you and impresses it on you. And if you're not doing it, that's you're committing sin. See, this person that James is, is referring to knows that they're supposed to do something with their life. They know that they are supposed to be in other people's lives. They know that this is all about discipleship. It's all about encouragement. In encouragement, this is all about relating to one another, loving the brothers and sisters. But in this particular situation, they just don't want to do what they ought to do. They have decided, no, I will not take that calling. No, I cannot live up to that expectation. No, I just don't want to. And the result is they miss God's best. They miss God's best. And James calls that sin. The Bible calls that sin. If you are omitting God, removing Him from your plans, from your plans, uh, from your, you planning your life, most of us, actually, some of us will not call it sin. But the Bible calls it sin. Okay? Again, it's right there. You know what we like to call sin? We don't call that sin. Oh, planning? Come on, planning. That's my life. You know what we like to call sin? When you hear a guy robbing a bank, then we say, that's a sinful guy. That's not me. Or we hear a guy who was unfaithful to his wife. We say, sinner. Or you hear about the guy who cheated on his taxes. and You say, sinner. Sin for us is always what we think we do. That's what we think sin is. It's something that we do. What James is writing here and telling us and revealing to you for the first time, if you didn't know, is that it's just not always what you do. Sin sometimes is it's missing what you were intended to do. To him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, sometimes it's... Sometimes... <laughs> the thing it says there it is a sin for them is there a word sometimes no it's always always when you always don't do the right thing you are sinning and you know about it how about the how about this, this I, I hear this very often maybe later Oh, you know, Pastor, maybe that's the idea, but not now. It's, it, you know, in Christianese, it means, they say it in this way, in God's time. 
God knows. I know what you want, God. I know you have a plan. I know all these things are true. I'm just not going to do it. But in return, I'm not going to leave my family. You know, I'm not going to go sell drugs. I'm not going to do all these morally bad things. I'm going to be a good citizen. I'm going to pay my taxes. I'm not going to be speeding. I'm going to stop at all the stop signs. I'm not just going to do what you want me to do, but I'll be good, good enough to not get in trouble. Maybe later. Instead of doing what you want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. Do you see any, do you see any problem in that? You know, the classic, classic example of someone knowing what God wanted him to do and simply did not do it is Jonah. Jonah. Jonah 1, 1 to 3, the Lord spoke to Jonah of Amittai. Nineveh is a big city. I've heard about the many evil things that the people are doing there. So go there and tell them to stop doing such evil things. Verse 3, but Jonah tried to run away from the Lord. He went to Joppa and found a boat and that was going to a faraway city of Tarshish. Jonah paid money for the trip and went on the boat. He wanted to travel with the people on this boat to Tarshish and run away from the Lord. As the new year fast approaches, try not to ask for signs from God if you're completely disobeying Him anyway. Try not to manipulate the situation in your own simple way because you know that you're doing the exact opposite of what God is telling you. Try not to do that. Because, you know, if, if Jonah was doing that, the mindset of, all right, if there is a boat at Joppa, then it's God's will that I go to Tarshish. And if I pull money here with the exact fare, then that is God's sign that I'm supposed to go to Tarshish. No. The money and the boat being there had nothing to do with it. The circumstances that is probably, probably fitting your, your, your disobedience has nothing to do with, with it. You knowing what God told you to do and you choosing not to do it is sin. In the Bible, God told Jonah and he didn't want to do it. You know the, the scary thing? God created a catastrophic incident. Remember that? A storm. God sent a storm to Jonah while he was in that boat to get him to where God wanted him. He had to spend three days in the belly of the whale. Imagine spending three days in the belly of the whale. I'll be honest with you. I hope you're hearing me. You do not want God to do that in your life. Let this new year be something different for you. Have that reverent fear of our Holy Father. That you knowingly are violating what he has told you. Have that reverent fear. Just say, God, help me obey you because I don't want the storm. Or if you're in the middle of the storm, but you're, you're choosing to be blinded still because you love the sin. You're just clinging on to the sin. It's just way too good to let go. You know, I was kind of going this way, and then all of a sudden, a series of things happened, and God pulled me right back over here. You know, I, how many more times do we need to go through that storm to surrender to God's lordship? James is pretty, pretty clear about what happens to us when we fail to consider God in our plans and our schedules and not doing the things he calls us to do. He calls it sin. I mean, the whole package here is so easy to see. That he starts in, in verse 13 and then 14, and then he says, you know, here's the problem. There are some people that are just, they just simply ignore God. They just don't put him in their schedule at all. And for every possible reason, they are like, Practical atheist. Do you know what a practical atheist is? 
Here, Rubel Shelley defined practical atheism as holding an intellectual commitment to belief in God, but thinking, feeling, and behaving as if there were no God. Practical atheism is found in the lives of, of many people who believe in God, but who live as if he does not exist. God for them is this thing back in the 90s where it says, break glass in case of emergency. They profess to know God, but their deeds, they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Titus chapter 1 verse 6. And here were, here were others that just simply think that their plans are better, right? And you know, however you want to look at it, if you think your plan is better than God, that you don't need his counsel, that's arrogance. And then finally, there are some people that simply know what they're supposed to do, and they just don't want to do it. They just, don't, they just want to do what they want to do. In every possible case, it's the wrong thing to do. In fact, James is going to tell us what the proper response here is in verse 15. He says, you ought to plan your life with God's will in mind, which is there in verse 15. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this and that. Now, that line is not a magic spell. You know, some people are so, so adamant about, oh, uh, hey, let's go eat at Chick-fil-A if the Lord wills. They get scared. They get scared like, oh my gosh, it might be wrong if I don't say it. No, it's really not saying the words. It's really having that ingrained in your heart and in your mind. That even, even the strength to go to a store from point A, point a to point B, if God doesn't will it, what's going to happen? You won't, you won't make it there. Have you seen somebody almost die? Do you know anybody, have you met anybody that you had major plans with and then they almost died? They almost did not make it last Christmas? I experienced that this, I experienced that this year with my sister. We had plans to have sushi the next day. And she just wouldn't wake up. You know, one of the, one of the central components to every decision of my life is, is this. God, I always ask this, God, what's your will here? What's your will on this? What do you want? You know, if we believe Jesus is Lord, this is what we are supposed to do. Practically, it's just stopping. It's stopping. Practically, you just have to stop. Pause and to pray and ask God, ask the question, God, what do you want? Will you please make it clear to me what your will here is? Through all these processes, what are you doing, God? It's the openness to finding godly counsel, too. It's not just counsel, but godly counsel. Folks, some of you, you don't look for godly counsel. You just look for counsel or somebody to just air out your problem. You're not looking for righteous people that would, you would go to and ask, what do you think about this? Can you help me? Do you know what the Bible says about my situation? Can you please give me counsel as the Holy Spirit leads you? You don't, you, in this new year, find those people. Include them in your plans to have godly counsel. No, it's a constant commitment to be surrendered to the will of God in our lives. It is. One way to illustrate this is, is you have to imagine if you were to build a brand new home. Okay? Every other person would think that, if, if you're going, that you're going to need an architect. Now, the architect will draw the plans, and, and you're going to put in footings, and you're going to have plumbing, and you're going to put up walls. You're going to talk about how a certain thing is going to look like. Everything must be braced, right? Because we don't want, you know, earthquake or winds to just blow it down. Everything must be done in certain codes. That's here in America, though, right? In the Philippines, you just build. And then if it falls, you're going to say, oh, man, I knew I missed something. 
Where in America, if you build, there's certain codes that you have to do to make sure that the house you're building will not fall down. Do you agree? But what if you said, I'm not going to worry about the architect at all. I'm just going to do what I think is cool. Will you build a house like that? I know better. I only finished GED, and that's a good enough diploma for me, and I can build a house. I've been into many houses. I know I can build it too. What happens when the storms of life come? Because they do come. Did you guys hear me up there? Storms in life will come. What will happen if you're not grounded with God? Seeking God's will in our life is like us going to the architect of our lives, of all life in the whole universe, and asking him, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? What is your will, God? Now, another question should come into mind. How do I find out what God's will is for me? I have four minutes, and I have seven points, so keep praying. First, you have to belong to Him, right? There's five things. You have to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because if you don't belong to Him, you're His enemy. I'm looking around the room. I don't know if everybody, I think everybody's saved. First Timothy 2.4, God wants everyone to be saved and to fully understand the truth. If you are saved, you can understand the truth because God will speak to you and you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. That's the first way you can understand God's will for you and in your life. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not our respect for God. I respect Him. Not a tolerance for God. I can tolerate Him. Not a deep-seated fear. Oh, yeah, I should be good because He might kill me. Or a mild fear. Or anything like that. But a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us it's completely possible. Now in John 1, 12, in His wonderful words, He says here that, but some people did not accept Him. They believed in Him and And he gave them the right to become children of God. Now that's good news. So God's will starts, God's will starts first of by you knowing him personally. So maybe that needs to change right now, right? I don't know where you are, but you can't just say, you know, I respect God. And I believe that there is a God. No, you need to come into a relationship with Him. If you know somebody who's not living a good life, you know, they're just struggling, instead of telling them, hey, get a better job, open another another business, get a different career, no, share Jesus to them. Here's the second thing. God wants us to live differently. Do you agree? Christians, do you agree that God wants you to live differently? 1 Thessalonians 4.3, God wants you to be holy. He wants you to stay away from sexual sins. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 tells us that this is the will of God, your sanctification. And being sanctified is we have to be clear, far away from sexual sins. Sanctification is, is, is being apart, set apart. See, God's will, secondly, is that you be different from the world. God's will for you is to be part of his family. Secondly, is that you have to be holy. You have to be different from the world. Your morals and your standards will not be based on what their social peer group, your social group or your peer group, or somebody that you are real envious is like that you're not doing what every single person you know is doing. There is a standard God has called us to do, and that is in His Word and in His will. Amen? New Year, Pastor Joe is not becoming popular as the minutes go. Third point, have a thankful attitude. You have to belong to God. You have to be holy. 
And then you have to have a thankful attitude. First Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That means my attitude ought to be completely changed. I, I have to realize that every good thing comes from God. I have to have an attitude of appreciation, not demanding, not complaining, not entitlement, but appreciation. Not always wondering why this person has more than me, but simply a thankful attitude that says, thank you, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for the simple things that you've given me in my work and in my life and in my family. That's what God's will is for you. God's will is that you belong to him, that you be holy, and that you be grateful. Some of us, when we have a hard time being grateful, let this new year be different. Have a very grateful heart. The fourth about finding God's will completely is learn wisdom by the teaching of the scriptures. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See, it's all of the, everything's in there. We'll see that what God really wants to do is learn his wisdom. He wants us to learn his wisdom. That's his will for us. So that includes Bible studies. And this year, involve yourself in Bible studies. This year, if you do not belong to a church, become part of a church. Become a part of a church that teaches the Bible. You have to learn, and then you have to put it in practice. That means you need to commit you need to be commit. You need to commit to be faithful to a church. And that when you're sitting down, you're not sleeping. Right? I mean, I, I try. I get it. I get it. It's not exciting, right? I mean, I can only do so many somersaults here for to get your attention. But see, the, the, the thing is, be excited to learn about the word as, as if you were watching Manny Pacquiao fight. Some of you get very animated when it's your favorite athlete, when you're watching LeBron James. From the get-go, the moment you enter the arena, you're just happy. You have to do this. Who's going to tell you that what you're doing is wrong if you don't belong to a church? Because becoming part of a church also includes the accountability. There's accountability. You need to know people, you need to be involved in a body that will say, hey, where were you last Sunday? We haven't seen you for four weeks. What's going on? And the fifth thing, fifth thing, have a visible testimony. A visible testimony. 1 Peter 2.15 reads, when you do good, you stop ignorant people from saying foolish things about you. This is what God wants. Are you wanting to know what God's will is for you? There you go. Have a visible testimony. Let your life reflect the love of God. Let your life reflect all the grace and mercy of God. We are to have a visible testimony, not a hidden one. This coming 2024, stop being a secret agent Christian. It's time for you to be a, a, an ambassador for Jesus. Amen? He says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put it to silence the ignorance of foolish people. In other words, the people ought to be able to look at your life and automatically see, wow, they're different. Something is different in his life or in her life. They've got, they, they have to have a visible testimony that our life, because of Christ, has changed us. Christ is forgiving me and the spirit living inside of me must be recognizable. Amen? Now, I'm not going to arrogantly tell you that you're going to answer every one of your questions because I know what the question you're all sitting out. I know the questions that you have there. You said, Pastor Joe, you gave a good amount of list there, but none of my questions was answered. 
Because when you say, what is God's will for my life? These are really the things you're, you're wondering about. Who am I going to marry? What do I do for career, for my career? Where is the money, Lord? It's never enough. What is your will regarding my finances? Or where should I live, Lord? Where should I live? Should I go to Sparks? Should I go to Reno? Should I go to Arizona? Should I go back to the Philippines? Where do I go to school for the young people? Where do I retire for the older people? But you know what? God anticipated that. He answered that. This is in Matthew 6.33. What you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what he wants you to do. Amen? How I wish I can answer everybody's question. Pastor Joe, who am I going to marry? Pastor Joe, what kind of business should I open? Pastor Joe, where should I live? Where should I retire? I wish I had those, those, those answers for you. But here, if you want God's kingdom first and foremost and doing what he wants you to do, see, what, see the promise, see the promise. Then he will give you all these other things you need. Is God good? He gives us what we need. Amen? Does he give us what we want? Yes, yes, yes. Not all the time, but he does. Correct. Not all the time, but he does. He gives us more than what we deserve. Jesus anticipates very clearly all the different issues that are on the hearts of the group of people that were around him during this time that he shared this. They were worried about simple things. What am I going to eat? Where do I live? What do I wear? How do I stay alive? How do I make a living? And just Jesus, and Jesus describes those things are worries and anxieties. And this is how he responded. All the things that, were, that we worry about, all the things that, we, that causes us anxiety, it just, it's right here, right? This is how we solve it. All the anxieties will be solved. All the worries will be answered if this should be your New, Year, New Year's resolution. If I'll simply come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if I'll start living differently, if I'll have a thankful attitude, if I learn wisdom by the teaching of the scriptures, and if I'm committed to doing it, and if I have a visible testimony. All those worries and anxieties will go away. Once you make 